an Olympic flavor on MWO Sports tonight as we chat with Pinkerton's Allison Bradley and TSN's Rod Black and also Julianne Stolle from Lucknow and Corey Connors from Listwell competing at the Olympics. We'll chat a little about their results all coming up on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome to another edition of MWO Sports. I'm Steve Sabrin along with Clarky, and a big show tonight as we welcome Pinkerton's Allison Bradley and TSN personality Rod Black. We'll discuss a whole line of things, including the Olympics. And speaking of the Olympics, uh, Lucknow's Julianne Stolle and Listowel's Corey Connors continuing to compete. Uh, Stolle ran her race this morning uh, at 6 a.m. Eastern time and uh, ran in the first heat of the 5,000 meter. She finished 17th out of 19 runners with a time of 15.33.39. She will not advance to the finals as they took the top five finishers in the two heats in the following top five qualifying times. And she was off her personal best, which was just over 15.02, but a magnificent effort by Lucknow Native and had plenty of community support uh, through social media as flags, signs, and video posted everywhere across the board. And Clarkie, uh, what a fantastic journey for the athlete from Lucknow. Absolutely. It's a, it, it's a great accomplishment, obviously, to uh, run in the Olympics and, uh, you know, getting up at 6 a.m. A lot of people, local people, I'm sure, did to watch her this morning. So uh, it, it, it's great to see that local flair for sure. And uh, Corey Connors, as well, as you mentioned, uh, on the golf side. Uh, the, the, they got delayed a little bit on uh, Thursday due to weather, uh, and he'll uh, continue, I guess, um, this evening, Friday evening, as we speak. He will be uh, completing his second round. But I haven't been thrilled with the golf and the coverage of the golf. I tuned in on, um, I guess it was, uh, it, it's it's weird getting your days mixed up, but I guess it was Wednesday night, um, round one, and didn't see a lot of Corey Connors. And the coverage, it just seemed like it wasn't uh, a normal golf um, crew covering it, uh, and it, I found it very hard to follow, uh, as well as the format, Steve. I would love your opinion on the format. To me, in a golf Olympic-style uh, competition, it should be a team format, and I think, I hope maybe they can take a look at that or maybe even have a have a, a, another competition at some point during the Olympics where um, it's a team event and uh, Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors could team up um, which I think would be kind of fun to watch as well. Well, there was some discussion about that when they were both announced to the team uh, by Golf Canada earlier this year, Clarkie, and uh, both touched on that even incorporating uh, the women into a team match as well. Uh, you know, the Olympics uh, all about being team-oriented. Uh, so uh, it would be interesting to see if they overhauled the golf format i think from an ease of an organizing standpoint sticking with the stroke play and as for the coverage stuff wondering if covid really put a damper on how they cover the sport as well and being able to get the number of bodies in there so 
but we'll see what happens with Corey Connors. Uh, we tried to get uh, Julianne Stolle on the show, actually, uh, tonight. Well, you um, spoke with her, right? I, I messaged her. Uh, yeah, messaged her through uh, Facebook, and mm-hmm. she didn't respond to me. And uh, But she was talking with family and friends, which is completely understandable. Family first. and uh, But she is uh, looking forward to jumping on with us, hopefully next week to recap her Olympic journey um, and what a fantastic one it was and the community support drawing national attention. Uh, In fact, if you have a chance, you could pick up an Olympian pizza in Lucknow (laughs) tonight up until 8 o'clock. They're serving the Olympian tomato sauce, matzo cheese, pepperoni, sausage, bacon, spinach, onion, peppers, a wood-fired pizza, and $10 of each Olympic farm future pizza going to support Julianne Stolle. And if you're out there, get there soon, because if Steve gets there before you, there may not be any left. Absolutely. <laughs> Pizza, the best Olympic meal in town. I was uh, watching the rowing last night, too, Steve. I don't know if you caught that. The women's eights uh, winning gold. And it's always, I, I just, I, I, you know, you watch these sports every four years, right? Um, and it was just great to see the New Zealand team, I think, uh, came in as the favorites and, uh, Canada was ahead of them right off the bat and held them off. And it was just exciting. It's, it's, it's neat to see. I, I like watching that. No, it was amazing. And, uh, the women's soccer team making it into the semifinals beat Brazil on penalties. I know the, not the, uh, most favorite way of advancing, but Mm -hmm. it came down to the final shot, Clarky, uh, the Brazilian team was ahead and then Canada tied it. And then on the last shot, um, great save by Lube and that pushed Canada into the semifinals of the women's soccer event and and guaranteed a bronze medal appearance at least. Right. And I think they'll play either Netherlands or the United States on Monday. So we'll have to watch for that. And of course we'll get more into it with uh, Allison, but the Canadian women softball team winning bronze and, uh, they were oh so close against the U S and Japan in their games, but uh, they came away with the bronze as they beat Mexico in the bronze medal game, and it was it was great to see. Oh, and Steve, um, of course, Penny Oletsiak. We have to talk about Penny. Um, she uh, has six medals in the Olympics, trying for seven in the freestyle on Thursday night, and uh, came up just short. But hopefully, she has one more chance to be the most decorated Canadian Olympian ever. So that'll be thrilling. Yeah, amazing. Six medals for her overall in the Summer Olympics and uh, Cindy Klassen and Clara Hughes, uh, the other two Canadian Olympic yeah, athletes yeah. with six medals. So uh, number seven yeah. would be huge. Oh, and what about that, Clarky? I mean, all the medals so far coming out of women's athletics. Yeah. Uh, We're what? the men. We're the men. <laughs> They're not showing up. The baseball team didn't even make it there. I know. Uh, but that's that's awesome for women's sports and uh, yeah. seeing the accomplishments yeah. that they have done yeah. so far. So and, and I, I also I just find it obviously it's different. We know we're in a different world, but it's just too bad that parents and friends and family can't be there. You know, like Julie, I'm sure would love to have her family. Obviously, everyone would love to have their families there. And it just must be so much different um, competing this time around. It's been different for everyone in the whole world, for sure. Um, but it just it's missing that element for sure definitely and we'll touch base with allison bradley from pinkerton coming up next she knows a little bit about the women's softball sport and coming up a little later rod black from tsn as well congratulations julianne on your journey Corey. hope you can swing away at the golf course as well at the tokyo olympics we'll be back in just a moment You're listening and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. 
This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports. Steve Sabbard along with Clarky tonight and have a wonderful guest for you. Allison Bradley from Pinkerton, Ontario, joining us here tonight. And uh, Allison just coming off a great stretch in the broadcast booth covering women's softball at the Tokyo Olympics. Couldn't make the trip to Tokyo, uh, but definitely spent time uh, watching all of the games that Canada played and that amazing bronze medal run. Allison, good evening. Hi there. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, thank you for joining us. And uh, you know what? It's, it was a great Olympic run. And let's start with that Olympic run of women's softball, Allison. Uh it, it had to be emotional for you to see that team win, a team that you were a part of back in Athens and Beijing. Emotional is maybe an understatement. Um, just having played with four of the girls who were on the team um, in Beijing and knowing the amount of effort that the team as a collective had put into the journey, you know, the postponement, navigating the ups and downs of COVID in their personal lives but still staying committed to what the team mission was. It gives me goosebumps just talking about it now. It, what an incredible thrill for that entire program. And so happy to finally see Softball Canada's hard work pay off for them in that bronze medal win. Allison, how difficult was it uh, before we dive into the games broadcasting from a studio? Uh, I know there was a protest in one game that the viewers really didn't know what was going on. And I'm sure you didn't either. But um, how was that uh, experience? So I'm a complete rookie to the broadcast booth. I had never done it before. So to be broadcasting off a live feed for me ended up not being anything new because mm. I didn't know any differently. And I'll be honest with you, the stream was incredibly clear. There were lots of different camera angles, so it actually ended up being a great experience overall. So can you paint the picture? What were you seeing? Like a big monitor with a whole bunch of different screens in it, like different cameras in so it? So I had an internet-connected computer to my left. I had the sports information system, the CIS system to my right. And then obviously all of our broadcast mic stuff in the middle. And then um, we had one computer, one screen just outside of the booth. <laughs> And that was always airing the game. <clears throat> so we saw our game footage there. Mm. And then the screen that was above depended on whether or not we were filming for TSN or CBC mm. as to what we were seeing. So sometimes we would be seeing the game live above. Sometimes it was men's diving. So it just depended on the day as to what we were seeing on that last screen. Well, certainly an experience. You and let's get into this Canadian run. Um, going into the Olympics, they were ranked third behind the U.S. and Japan, uh, and took both of those teams to one nothing games. I mean, phenomenal. Um, but I guess what started kickstarted Canada in that tournament and made them believe that they had a chance to get a medal. I think that started long ago, Steve. I don't think that was something that started at the tournament. You know, Mark Smith, the head coach, has been working on building the culture with that team since he started in 2009 and really did a complete shift. You know, I think in 2004, we thought maybe we had a chance to get to the playoffs. In 2008, we thought, yeah, we could probably be on the podium. But this team had such a strong belief in what they were able to accomplish and what they could accomplish 
And a lot of that stems back to their preparation. Uh, They prepared like no team I have ever seen before. And don't get me wrong. We prepared hard in 04. We prepared hard in 08. um, But this group took it to an entirely new level. And Coach Smith brought in dietitians and a strength and conditioning coach who was incredible with the team and really made their training sports specific. Um, They were just more prepared. And I think that preparation created a really deep belief that they could take care of business and stand on the podium. I want to dive in a little bit to the U S game in the round Robin with Canada. Uh, As Steve mentioned, a very, very close game. Uh, there was one moment in the game where I was yelling, don't send her, don't send her. Um, there was, I can't remember who hit the ball, um, but uh, runner at. Uh, yeah, it was Sarah, around. Again. Sarah hit the ball to right. right center and Haley McClenney had a bang up relay in and yeah. had bang, bang play and it was bang, bang. <laughs> it was bang, bang. And it's too bad that that run didn't score because they're that close with Japan and the U S like they proved it. They just have to push that run across. Um, and it, how, how do they do that? Do they have to change strategy? They got to just stick with the course. How would you have, uh, managed that? Oh, I mean, that's a shoulda, coulda, woulda scenario, yep. right? I mean, he could have gone up the line and, and done a late hold, hoping that maybe there would have been a tip on the throw. The catcher would have taken her eye off it for a second. I, I mean, you could play a thousand different scenarios in your head, but I think he had to, tested at that time the team hadn't been getting a ton of hits so that could have potentially been their one and only opportunity and as the case may be it was their one and only opportunity so he took it unfortunately it didn't work to Canada's favor but you're right you know it took them all the way through the game to beat Canada and and historically that's not always the case so that in itself shows the growth of the program and same with Japan that's a one nothing game against Japan going into extra innings and and you're hanging with them, you know, the best in the world, Olympic gold medalist. And it was uh, the Japan game. And Steve and I had the opportunity to go to um, Irvine, California a couple of years ago and, and do the U 19. Was it Steve? U19s. Um, And the pitcher for Japan at the time, Gato, she was actually in Irvine. We saw her pitch and boy, she came up against Canada, struck out six, uh, six batters face. She was on fire. Uh, Also pitched well against the U.S. But, uh, you know, as I said, Canada's just so close to being able to, well, they did compete, but just so close to be able to make that hurdle over top of those other two countries, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if Canada had beaten Japan, and the U.S. continued to do what they did, which was take care of Japan, then we could have very well been in that gold medal game, yeah. you know? But they definitely did everything in their power to get where they needed to be, and they just didn't have the hits all the time. But I was looking back at the stats today, and Canada had the highest batting average. Canada had the most runs scored. I don't know if Canada's ever been able to say that before. So what a huge feat to be leading in both of those categories and then have Jen Salling as the number one hitter in the entire tournament. Yeah. Hey, what, what did you think of the format of the tournament? I was a little disappointed that um, U.S. and Japan played the last game of the tournament, which really meant nothing at the end of the day. Um, and it's just too bad that, you know, I, I understand it's the Olympics and you have to play every game like it means everything, which obviously it did. But I just wish there was sort of a page playoff where the first team got a buy and then second and third. So that third place team still has a chance. But it just it was disappointing to me that U.S. and Japan in the last uh, round robin game meant nothing. Yeah, you're right. It absolutely meant nothing. And they played it cautious, right? I mean, they rested yeah. their their star pitchers. 
Um, from that regard, got some other people into the game. Um, it didn't matter. They were going for sure. And I know the question of format has come up a lot um, because that's not how it historically has been with an eight-team tournament format. And I don't know if that was just a matter of it's six teams, this is how we're doing it, or if it was we need to keep it short because of cost and, and a host mm. of other things. I'm not sure. And they could have played on a real softball diamond, couldn't they have? So that's actually part of the WBSC, but I, I got a lot of text messages about that. Why are they playing on a softball field? There's lots of softball fields in Japan, um, but that's part of um, the WBSC really pushing to get softball back into the Olympics and saying, hey, guess what? We can play on a baseball field if it's modified. And in Japan, in the pro league, that's what they do for their huge mm -hmm. championships. They play in these massive mm -hmm. baseball fields and they pack them with yeah. fans but they just shrink the shrink the field down and make it conducive to softball. So, yeah. Alice, I want to touch about that fans and for the love of the game in Japan with Canada's finish. What does that do for the women's game here in Ontario and nationally? Oh, I definitely think it's a huge boost. You know, anytime a team gets Olympic status and then wins a medal, I think you see growth in that sport, you know, people step up and take notice and start to get excited about it. And for me, as somebody who's played the game and kind of watched the trend, you know, ebb and flow a little bit with softball, I'm really excited. And I hope that excites more young girls and boys too, about playing the sport and, and getting into what is truly a great game. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not going to be in the next Olympics, right? They're hoping in eight years it's back though. It's not on for 2024 for France. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, there's no way the US it. isn't going to advocate for it to be in LA sure. in 2028. And then the WBSC is pushing for it to continue to be on the program on a permanent basis from 2028 forward. And I Good. do hope that's the case. Yeah. Well, we know that the WBSC is definitely ramping up their tournaments and rotation of tournaments and trying to get more uh, people involved in it from an athlete perspective. Um, Allison wanted to touch uh, on a little bit about you personally, because I mean, you're uh, a player in the game um, and you've traveled around. What's been keeping you busy in regards to the sport? Oh, well, I still continue to work for Softball Canada. Um, I did ha have to step away from the senior women's program, which is the team that represented Canada at Tokyo 2020. I just couldn't devote the amount of time that was required, but I continue to work with the junior women's national team program and helping them get their camps and stuff set up and helping the coaches and, and working with all the behind the scenes stuff. So still involved from that regard, but no longer playing. It's just the wing just doesn't have it anymore. <laughs> Not even a Wednesday night special? Not even a Wednesday night special. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, no, that's great. And I know we here at CCANX have covered uh, your journeys a little bit there. And it was really fun uh, watching the Beijing Olympics uh, uh, a few years ago. Um, and as from a broadcast perspective, yeah, there was no rookie broadcaster. You were phenomenal. Um, <laughs> it was very enjoyable to, to watch and listen. And, uh, and I hope you think about maybe doing more of that because, uh, you know, there's something when you get to broadcast a game and share the stories of these athletes, um, and, and you talk to people on the street and you say, and you hear, Hey, I heard that, um, is, is just fantastic. Uh, speaking of some of the players, um, who do you think on the Canadian team really stepped up their game and, and led, and, and I know hey, there was a lot of talk about Canada by committee, 
between the pitching staff and everything else. But, I mean, there had to be someone that really stepped up time and time again to give that spark to the Canadians. I mean, I, I think the stats tell the story. If you look at Jen Salling um, and, and the event that she had in 2008 at Beijing, and then the incredible performance that she had in Tokyo, it, it was outstanding. So if you want to talk about an all-round performance, she was solid defensively. She came up clutch at the bat um, for Canada. So she was huge. But the pitching staff, there's no doubt. And they did a pitch-by-committee strategy for sure. But they all contributed. And again, tops in the leaderboard. They were second, I think, in pitching overall. Um, with their ERA and you know that's a feat that Canada hasn't seen in the past either so definitely a dominant pitching staff for sure you know Jen Salling uh, what a storybook ending for her has a phenomenal tournament walks away with the bronze medal leaves her cleats at home plate uh, recognizing her retirement from the game Uh, what a fantastic story so uh, Allison thank you very much for joining us uh, and hope to have you on the program again in the future to talk about softball I know Clarkie and I want to get back to the ball diamond in the broadcast booth as soon as possible and uh, like yourself probably not uh, will be not will uh, be on the base pass anytime soon um you don't want to see me bumbling down the first baseline <laughs> for sure uh anyways thank you again uh we'll be back in a moment of course uh, rod black will be joining us and we'll have to talk about the baseball draft cfl and other aspects across the sports spectrum here on mwo sports brought to you by coolbet.co this is mwo sports Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Steve Saver along with Clarky and another great guest with us tonight, Rod Black from TSN joins us, of course, getting set for a return to the CFL and many other things on his plate. Rod, uh, how you doing? Doing great. Um, if we're still doing the Zoom stuff, we can't see each other. It's been a, a year and a half, but finally, I think... Uh, we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. So that's, that's kind of cool. So finally we got the Olympics, we got it. People are going back into stadiums. So uh, I think everybody's kind of relieved about that. You got and that Clark, right. You're looking good, by the way. Thanks Look, man. You're like the Benjamin button of podcast. <laughs> dude. Yeah, okay. I don't think a lot of people, Steve, I don't think a lot of people know that Chris Clark and he and I go back a long way. I'm, I'm old. I'm an old guy. Chris Clark. A lot of people don't know is 84 years old and he's looking great. <laughs> Was he alive the last time the Leafs won the cup? Was yes, he, I was. He was, he was. he was there the first time the Leafs won the cup. And, <laughs> and I can I mean, still beat you in squash, Steve, so just be careful. <laughs> <laughs> that I can do. Speaking of sports, let's talk about a couple of weeks ago, Rod, your son Tyler um, announced yeah. as the first uh, Canadian in the MLB draft going to the Milwaukee Brewers. I thought that was kind of fitting. I'm sure you like your beer. But what yeah. was that moment like for you, Rod? Um, yeah, truthfully, it's still been a bit of a blur. I'm, I'm a little, uh, I, I will tell you, I'm a little uncomfortable still talking about it because, you know, I think every, I mean, it's a cool story and all of that, but frankly, it's like, you know, people are trying to, you know, link what, what Ty's done with what I do or whatever. And, uh, he did it all himself. This kid is a, um, ferocious worker, a relentless, uh, talented player has been for a long time, uh, really deserves everything he gets. Yeah. He's my son. And 
I, I guess, you know, he was always kind of known and ha- unfortunately this, this tag of Rod Black's son, which, you know, um, I'm sure he, he probably hated after a while, but now I'm, <laughs> I'm Tyler Black's father. So I really like that. I really like that a lot. And it's exciting. Uh, you know, he's down in, in Arizona right now, um, you know, just kind of learn, you know, learning the chops of uh, rookie ball right now. I think he's going to head out in a couple of weeks to some, some low A or high A, and then, you know, this journey has be really begun. The draft is one thing, guys, and it's um, it's unlike any other draft. It's very complicated. There's there's a lot of money slotting that goes on. But when a team wants you, like Milwaukee wanted him, uh, I think you know it's he's, he's pretty honored, and we're obviously very proud. And I think it's honestly a perfect fit for him. So it's it's great to be drafted. But, you know, now the, the real work has begun and, and only moments after he was drafted, we had a little draft watch party and he said, yeah, well, now time to get back to work. So that, that says a lot about him. Tell us about him. Position, hitter, what kind of hitter is he? What are we going to yeah, see? He's always been this this hitter. He's got great hand-eye coordination. I think it's because it comes from playing a lot of different sports. He played a lot of, when he was a kid, that's all he did was hit all day long as, as a wiffle ball player in the backyard and uh, could hit and he was a hockey player in a football player and a basketball player and you know he started at a young age as uh, a pitcher too uh, in um, the Mark and Mariners organization Joe Bowen as a matter of fact he and I coached uh, Tyler and and David his son uh, then he went uh, to the the prospects organization uh, with Rob Butler and Rich Butler who, mm. who helped um, develop him as well and ended up through that organization finally to the Toronto Mets, which has, you know, really changed him as well and helped the development, a travel team. Um, and then he ended up getting a scholarship down to Wright State University, a mid-major in uh, Dayton, Ohio, uh, kind of came in as this unsung, you know, Canadian, as they call them, the, the, they, call, they call all these kids down there, the dirt balls, because they play so hard and they're always the underdogs. And just learned and kept hitting and hitting his You know, I always thought he was projected as an infielder. He was a great shortstop when he was a kid and third baseman. I could see him maybe even going there down the road, but he's a second baseman and, you know, it did well in college was a freshman of the year, uh, in his region. And, uh, last year they lost it to COVID. Of course, they lost the whole season to COVID, which, uh, sucked, but you know, and he, it allowed him to, he had a bit of a impingement in his shoulder from an injury and allowed him to get it to fixed, get it fixed. Uh, through the Cincinnati Reds doctor, uh, Kremchuk, and it allowed him to to come back stronger this year in the fall. Yada yada yada. They had a great year. He had a, a great regional uh, against the, the Power Fives and was hitting against the likes of Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, who were drafted high. And he was starting to really, you know, uh, climb the ladder on the ranking scale. And you know, uh, a few weeks beforehand, we knew like you know probably the the low end was a second round pick and. You know, the days before we kind of knew that he kind of snuck into the first round. So, yeah, he's, like I said, it's, it's all hard work. He's a, t- a talented ball player. He dreams. He's dreamt about this his whole life. And I will tell you, I just know that, you know, just knowing him, because um, I have another boy, too, is it's, he's kind of on the same path. I hope I'm talking in a couple of years about Brody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my kids are really sports oriented, but they're also uh, high achievers. And I, I think, you know, one thing about Tyler is that, you know, uh, he likes to dream, but he he likes his dreams to become reality. So, yeah, it's uh, it's like I said, it's uh, it's been a bit of a blur, but it's it's been all good. Ro- Go ahead, Steve. Well, I was just going to say it, it'd be very interesting if if Roddy got back to baseball and uh, caught the yeah. Milwaukee Brewers in Toronto and and was able to call a game with your son yeah. in the lineup. That'd be the Wouldn't ultimate. That'd be something. Yeah, yeah. It's still like I said, it's a, still a long journey, you know, to try to climb the, the ranks from low A to A and. 
double A and triple A. But uh, one thing about the Brewers is they develop players, right? And they, they love Canadians too. There are a lot of Canadian connections, but that would be something someday. Although I don't, I don't think I could probably do it just because uh, of um, uh, being, I would, I wouldn't be probably the most objective guy in the world. And and I will tell you, and Clark, he knows me well, is that, uh, yeah, we do a lot of Toronto teams and yeah, I've done the Raptors, but I mean, we're, we're, you know, generally we're very unbiased. Yeah. We want the teams to, to win and do well, but you know, we tell it like it is. And, um, you know, I, I, I would definitely tell it like it is regardless if it was my son or my daughter, whoever was playing in sport. But, um, that would be kind of cool. It is kind of cool too that I used to do the Jays when we had the rights to TSN, and you know Tyler and Brody were both around that a, a lot. And I think that also helped um, um, form an impression in their minds about what it takes to be a big leaguer. They were around it a lot, and they saw how how hard of a game it is uh, on your on your body, but also on your mind. And it is a game of failure, and it is a game of success. And you've got to have a real even keel you guys i think he learned that and he saw how hard these guys work you know 162 days a year so it's uh that would be kind of cool though to, to and if, even if i don't maybe i'll just call them in my basement anyway <laughs> <laughs> hey uh, a guy who i know and i'm sure you know gordash uh, works for the milwaukee brewers what uh, just take us behind the scenes a little bit with uh the lead up to the draft did you have conversations with teams mm. tyler yeah. did the tyler did, did your uh tyler's agent um and did yeah. you talk to gord at all no, no, I did not. And I, you know, Gordon, and I go back a long way and I think he's Gordon's more of a consultant now. Yeah, and, you know, Doug yeah. Melvin's there who I have tremendous respect for too. Uh, no, but we had heard like, you know, there were teams, it's weird draft. You guys, the way they work it is that you don't really hear. And Tyler's advisor, Jeff Gatch from PSI is phenomenal. He's been great with Ty the last year. And, you know, they've had, there were a lot of scouts out to watch him. They watched him a lot. And a lot of teams were on the radar. Um, you know, you hear rumors all the time. Tyler went to workouts. Guys, he worked out for other teams. Uh, we had heard that kind of, I guess, that Milwaukee was was interested. But th- honestly, the day of, I, you know, I, I think Kumar Rocker, who you're going to hear a lot about, I don't think he knew that he was going to the New York Mets at 10 and probably made more money than the five previous guys in front of him. So you just kind of don't really have an inkling. And then until the night of Ty was getting more information and Intel and the agents and advisors talked to the other teams. And the next thing, you know, uh, a deal is struck. He kind of told me a couple of picks beforehand what was going on. And, yeah, it was, it was I, 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 do I have blue and gold on yet? No, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Bob Euchre's still there too. So, um, but it's, so it was funny too, because he went down for the signing and my wife went down and, that was kind of fun too for them, you know, to tie getting to go see the stadium, being around the Brewers. It was the same night the Bucks won the championship, so the, you know, he uh, felt the vibe. He felt the vibe in that city, which is a really cool city too. Like you know, the great, great people, nice people, but boy, hardworking and just like that ball club. Rod, you mentioned something earlier. I just wanted to touch on, and it's it's a message of advice to other parents who are you know have kids in sports. And you mentioned Tyler was a multi-sport athlete. Do you think that's mm-hmm. important? Yes, I do. And I know it's, it's not going to happen. I, I, I guarantee you guys, Steve and Chris, I think that, you know, I, I fear down the road. I mean, I, you guys, you know, I've been around sports for a while too. And, you know, whenever I'm doing games, I always look through the bios and I always, you know, used to see, you know, uh, Michael Jordan, multi-sport athlete, LeBron James, you know, Mike, you know, uh, Wayne Gretzky, whoever the, like the great ones, you know, they all play different sports. And I've really noticed the bios over the last years have changed that, a lot of those athletes who have succeeded and are, you know, are getting on TV or getting getting into 
the big leagues or, you know, even to high college, um, to become high college level elite players is that you don't see that anymore. And I, I fear for that. I think that's one of the reasons we see so many injuries with kids because they're only one sport athletes. And I do, I do think it's important. I think you, uh, yeah, you have to concentrate solely. I think at one point on your sport, which Tyler did when he got to about 15, 16. But I also think that you have to have, um, you have to have a love and a passion and all those other sports. I do believe help the sport that you're eventually going to maybe lean to or, or, or play more. Uh, I, everything helps. And to have a life in sport, I think we'd be so blessed and privileged. We need that right now, especially when this pandemic is over. How many kids are going to walk away, you guys, from sport? How many kids are, 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 have lost their mojo because of sport? You know, no sport, nothing being played, and no teammates. So, yeah, I do believe in that. And I, I particularly believe that some kids, it's good to play an individual sport, play golf or tennis or whatever it might be, but also, honestly, play a team sport. It's not... Whether you'd make it or not, regardless, again, I'm not, I'm, this is nice that I'm talking to you about a kid that, you know, got drafted to Major League Baseball, but it, that wasn't the goal for my kids to play sport when, mm-hmm. I, when I, you know, we got, my wife and I got them involved. It was to, 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 to become, you know, teammates and to, to learn about losing and winning and, and to help them down the road in their lives. I mean, that's what sport does. It, it helps craft and carve who you're going to become and and especially in the workplace, which by the way, everybody's going to need a job and, you know, just all those other things that happen. But yeah, I do believe totally in, in multi-sport. I fear that we're we're losing kids to, to travel teams and to, and to elite teams. And, you know, they're saying the coaches are saying at 12, no, you have to concentrate here. It's 24 seven hockey. For instance, you got to play spring hockey. That's bogus. You don't have to play spring hockey. I've never seen any kid that played spring hockey at 12 and 13 excel at in September. It doesn't make sense. I've, I've been around that. I've, I've seen that. That's, that is, mm-hmm. uh, that is complete BS. You, you, whatever you play, it's, it's a cash grab. I think for many teams, 15, 16. Yeah, maybe because they're scouts. There are no scouts at 12 and 13. They're not watching anybody. It's a cash grab to play in a spring tournament somewhere. That kid should be going to play soccer or being well with their friends or, or golf or whatever change of seasons, get them out of a rink. And, and, and again, that could be get them out of a basketball court, but, um, yeah, I, I just, the multi-sport thing is to me, it's, 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 it's very undervalued right now. And it wasn't, but Hey guys, we're all, all the same vintage, I think, except for Chris at 84 turning 85. I do think that's how the way we grew up, we grew up that way. And I don't think kids are growing up that way now. And I, I'd like to see that changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My son, Paul, uh, is 15 years old and he just hooked up with a bunch of uh, friends to play softball and asked him the other night, I said, so what, you know, what's the goal of this team? He goes, Oh, just to go out and throw the ball around and have some fun, which is fantastic. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, just go out and get, get back on the field. Yeah. And speaking of getting back, uh, Rod, we're going to switch gears here and jump to the broadcast booth because you're going to be returning and bringing us CFL football, which has been a long time coming. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the, one of the, very few leagues uh, that lost an entire year, lost and you know could not play last year. Everybody else tried to get up and running in the CFL based on you know a lot of reasons uh, could not. Um, you know the border obviously, and American players couldn't come north. Uh, the financials, you know, playing without fans. Uh, but yeah, I think the Canadian Football League fan has been well underserved. Uh, we haven't, uh, and that doesn't happen very often because they're usually overserved. <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, they've missed it and we've all missed it. And it's just nice to have a league that's that's up and running again. And the players, I know, I think the first couple of weeks are going to be 
a little spotty. Uh, but one thing about the CFL, uh, even if the players don't have preseason and, and, and not a lot of time, uh, there will be mistakes. But, you know, you have big plays. And, you know, you'll probably see some good runbacks and you'll see some bombs and you'll see some of the, the, the gadgetry that goes on in the Canadian Football League. So the play- fans are going to have to be patient, particularly with the players and the refs. But, hey, guys, something is better than nothing. And it's just so good that, you know, it's a shortened season. Uh, but it's at least it's going to be a regular season. Uh, it's going to be something. And the CFL is back. And that's that's just great news for everybody. And who knows what team's going to be good? Like, it's yeah. up in the air, right? Totally, in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say, you know, the, 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 the legitimate contenders still are the guys in two night, you know, 2019 that were in the Grey Cup in Winnipeg mm-hmm. and Hamilton. You know, they... Haven't had a lot of you know large scale changes. I think in Hamilton with Jeremiah Masoli now healthy and Dane Evans, who's going to be the number one there. Winnipeg's a really good team and still you know they they continue to load up with players. But you're right. I mean the West is crazy, uh, and and you got so many different coaches that have changed uh, teams. And you know you got Rick Campbell in BC and uh, Jamie Elizondo in Edmonton, and, and you know he's with Trevor Harris now again. Paul Apolise goes to to Ottawa. Uh, it's 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 very very interesting uh you know what's going to happen but you know the west is so good calgary's always good the edmonton elks mm-hmm. uh which we got to get used to saying uh they're going to be strong saskatchewan rough riders you know a perennial powerhouse i mean they, they got a bitter feeling a bitter taste in their mouth over um you know their loss a couple of years ago it's hard to believe you're saying a couple of years ago in, in the playoffs uh, montreal was improving uh you know, Ottawa needs to get better, and I think they will with, with Lapo there. Hamilton's awfully good, and Toronto's got a new coach too, and Ryan Dinwiddie. And what will he do? And, you know, everybody's kind of wondering with Nick Arbuckle and um, McLeod Bethel-Thompson back and the changes that Pinball Clemens has instituted. Pinball Clemens, forget about that, you know? So mm-hmm. it is wide open, and by the way, it's also a shorter season, so don't get off to a slow start. Right. And I'm going to, once again, I'm finally going back as, as an Argonaut supporter. I boycotted because I, you guys probably don't remember this, but in 1873, the Argos released that Bolt logo and they brought it back finally. And now I'm ready to go support that team again. So that oh, Bolt logo back. is classic. Oh, uh, it, it is. You're back. Oh, hang on a second. I got, I got, I got it. Careful. There's a chopper coming. Uh, uh, yeah, it is. It's cool. I, I think a lot of things, you know, Clarkie, I, I, I think the move to BMO was a positive one, but there were a lot of hiccups along the way. I, I still think that, 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 uh, East bleacher, the East, East, uh, stands are mm-hmm. so always directly into the sunlight for a lot of games. And it kind of hurts them a bit. I mean, they still got to sell the game. The biggest, here's the other thing. I mean, as good as this is all sounds, you guys, the three biggest markets in Canada for the CFL, three biggest cities, Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal still suffer. And we've got to find a way to change that. And my, my mind, I, they try everything, you know, concerts, all get yeah. back to the kids, get back yeah. to the kids, bring the families, get the kids yeah. like you, Clarkie, become a fan when you're a young you know, mm-hmm. become a fan when you're young because those kids are going to drive the parents to the games. Yeah. So there's still a lot of work to do for the Canadian Football League, but again, um, and yeah. for and, and certainly for the Argos in the market. But I think, yeah. hey, they got the mayor of Toronto, de facto mayor, could be the prime minister of Canada. If you can't get pumped up by Michael Pinball, Pinball Clemens in life, folks, you cannot get pumped up. Yeah. 
Rod, I had season tickets in 1982 because A&P sold them for $33. Had a whole season <laughs> yeah. for $33. Yeah. And that's what they got to do. They got to get back. And I know I know, money's money now, but you got yeah. to gotta invite the kids for sure. Make hey, it before affordable. We... Exactly. Make it an experience. Yeah. Get the... I will tell you, there's no, nothing like a CFL player in the community. No athlete is like a CFL. They're in the community all the time. Yeah. yeah. We just got to realize they're in the community. And yeah, I, I know the, the league could get, get swallowed up in the big cities. But I just still think there's something there. And it maybe it is, hey, if you can get TFC can get their niche crowd and fill right. that all the time, certainly the Argos can. Certainly the Argos can. And that's not taking nothing away from the soccer fan. Yeah. Uh, but if they can do that, why can't the Argos? They've got to work at it harder. Get better. Yeah. Be better every day. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, memories uh, with my dad growing up, Labor Day Classic. Toronto oh, Hamilton yeah. and then the Western swing games, the doubleheader there. So um, you're right. I mean, that's what uh, it was a dad son sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah. The, and, and I've been lucky enough to call so many Labor Day classics. Look forward to this one this year. And, and that Hamilton market, you know, I, I really encourage people out there, listeners and your viewers to, you know, if you've never been to there, I can't believe how many people, and you know, we do a lot of interviews uh, that include, including work for, you know, our, our network haven't been to a CFL game, you know, go, you know, go like, mm -hmm. go to a game, go to that Labor Day game when, you know, Hamiltonians just hate Torontonians and, and then go the, the, the game the next week where the, you know, the reverse is true and the Argos suck chant and, and how good the games are and how, how intense and, and how deep that rivalry really is. I really encourage people to try to get out and just see it, experience it once and you'll 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 keep coming back. I really do believe that. Rod, we just had Allison Bradley on talking about the Olympics and the uh, Canadian women's softball team. Um, one thing I'm missing this year is Rod Black and Brian Williams doing the Olympics. But have you been watching, <laughs> Rod? Have you been watching what sports oh, you like to yeah. watch? Yeah, I got FOMO. You know, fear of missing out on the. I guess FOMO, fear of missing out on the Olympics. And I'm sure Brian Williams does too. As a matter of fact, yes. well, no time uh, checks. We need a time no, check. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's nothing like covering the Olympics. And, you know, obviously the rights fees uh, change all the time. And CBC does, by the way, a terrific job uh, all the time. Uh, and But it's it's different this year, guys. I, I do find it. And I, I love it. I love the, the – um, and, Clarky, again, you know me for so long. I don't think people always ask what's your favorite game or what – it's tomorrow, whatever tomorrow brings. I love every game and every sport. And uh, I really have been in, enjoying some of the – the unique sports in this Olympics. I've, I've enjoyed the surfing of all things. I've enjoyed the skateboarding. Mm. Uh, you know, again, I haven't, you don't get every four years, you kind of watch field hockey or, or for some people, even gymnastics and, you know, they don't watch it all of the time and you're watching rugby sevens rugby. I have enjoyed that. And we haven't been able to watch softball. And unfortunately we can't watch Canadian men's baseball. They didn't qualify. And because, you know, some Olympics, they just don't have softball and baseball. It's not going to be in the next one. And it won't be until probably uh, L.A. when it comes back. I guess that's in eight yeah. years. Uh, but, it, you know, to, to watch the women's softball team the other night and, you know, that bronze was as good as gold. And by the way, they could have played for gold. You know, yeah. they don't get a chance very often. And I guess my the, the ambivalent side of me in this whole thing is that as great as this has, has been, you know, we're getting a chance. They're getting a chance to compete and getting a chance to go to the games. Yeah, it's under, you know, COVID watch. There are, you know, more cases every day, it seems, in Japan. There's cases for athletes. But, you know, it's sad that the fans aren't there because, mm -hmm. you know, they really miss that 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 roar 
that especially think about the hundred meters without that roar. It's just so different. I feel sorry for the athletes in some stretch, but I, Hey, this goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, you know, the CFL, something is better than nothing. Like something is better than nothing. And it's, it's so good that at least, you know, this window for these athletes, you guys is, is so small. It's four years. Maybe they compete maybe for 10 seconds, maybe a minute, some of them all, all, all week long to miss out. And after all that training uh, would be to me is sadder than at least competing with no fans. So it's not the best of situations, but you got to make the best of it. And yeah, I just love watching it. And um, I, I, again, here's the other one though, as I'm, I'm thinking, I, f- I feel like a bat at night because you don't get any sleep. <laughs> you know, you're watching in the middle of the night. I know my wife just loves watching. She stays up all night watching it all uh, because I think we, we're, we have pride in our nation. We have pride in that Canadian flag, but we also have pride in our athletes. So it's, it's, uh, it's just so sad that we had to wait an extra year. And then think about this and, you know, we're, we're watching the winter Olympics and what another five or six months, which is yeah crazy yeah. To, in Beijing. And if, if it happens, so we're saying again, if it happens, so, but there's nothing like the Olympics, there's nothing like it, nothing like covering it, uh, being around it. And, uh, the, the sense of Canadian pride is, is it's emotional. It's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Rod, before we let you go, really appreciate you uh, jumping on with us tonight. But quick story, uh, back in the early 1990s at Cops Coliseum, what was in Cops Coliseum in Hamilton, there was a hockey tournament on. Team Ontario, yep, Team Ontario and Team Quebec, Western Canada, the U.S. And I was there as a second-year college student, and I was a food runner. And me and my buddy would run to a restaurant, grab the food, drop it off in the players' rooms. Drop it off in the players' rooms and the media room. So we did our run the one day, and we sit down to have some lunch. You come walking into the room to grab lunch and invited me and my buddy Will to sit down with you and talk. And oh, wow. Yes. And that moment stuck Maybe, in my I, mind. Hey, hey, Steve, it was only because I was trying to take your food. <laughs> well, <laughs> whatever the case. I'm the, only kidding you. At the end of the day, um, that was uh, one of the key moments that wanted to uh, keep me on track to get into broadcast. Hey, awesome. Yeah, I thank you for that. And yeah, it's awesome. one of my favorite stories to tell that and uh, seeing uh, Clarkie on the squash court writhing. Yeah, well, it was really nice that you brought us just before we went on the air, the, 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 uh, the tequila too, because that really helped the broadcast that night. But no, <laughs> hey, you know what? Honestly, that costs nothing. Um, I, mm. I've always said that that stuff costs nothing. I hope you guys do that too. And you have done that. I would encourage everybody to it. We're all in this together. And, um, I remember when I was a kid and, and, and doing the same thing and, you know, there, I had mentors too. Then there were some that didn't do that. And, you know, there were th- in that era, there were guys that didn't do that. And they kept calling you the rook and they, it was almost like a hazing that they, you know, that you'd have to go through. Um, but then there were some that did. And, you know, I think about the late Don Whitman, who was a tremendous mentor, uh, who did the same thing and Don Chevrier and uh, I worked for Peter Young who helped out a lot uh, in Winnipeg and all those national announcers that, that took, you know, even just a moment it takes one moment, you know, but, and whether you want to hear it or not, it's, it's nice to hear. So I'm glad that worked out and looking now you're broadcast from your basement. And you're, you, have to work with, you, have, you have to work with you have to work with Clarky. So maybe you shouldn't exactly. thank me, man. Well, yeah. Things are looking up. Yeah. Hey, Bob McCown would have done the same thing. I guarantee it. Yeah, he would have. He would have. <laughs> oh, he's a pussy cat. Hey, Clarky, you know I used to work. They oh, yeah. always talk about Bobcat, and um, 
you know, he can be a grumpy bear, but uh, I used to do that primetime sports. You were used to produce uh, years ago, and I used to love it. I first moved to Toronto and used to love being with you guys and being with him. And I remember, and he, hey, his on-air guy, is the on-air Bob McCowan is um, 180 degrees from the, the pussycat Bob McCowan that I know, that we know and love. Uh, completely different dude away from it, but I got a very passionate guy, and so that comes across big time. And definitely, Rod, uh, your call comes across uh, passionately as well. Look forward to hearing some of the women's uh, hockey uh, event coming up, of course, in August as well. So uh, we'll keep tuning in for that. Rob, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. Guys, I would be bringing food down to you right now, but I, I I don't know where the hell you are. It would be cold by the time you got here anyway. Have a great Uh, one, you guys. Appreciate it. You too, Rod. Thank you very much. And uh, that will do it for us tonight. Uh, On behalf of Chris Clark and myself, Steve Sabrin, uh, Ryan Drury, I don't know where he went. Uh, Hopefully he joins us next week. But uh, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Allison Bradley, of course. You can catch us on uh, CKNX, CKNX.ca, of course, Whiteman. And we'll be continuing to broadcast local sports throughout the week and keeping tabs on all the events that are happening. So on behalf of everyone here, thank you for joining us on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co.